Umi San Productions. Join us on the podcast that delves deep into the shadows of the unknown. We explore the enigmatic and often spine-tingling world of the supernatural, where everyday people share their personal encounters with the unexplained. From chilling ghostly apparitions to elusive cryptids, from UFO sightings and encounters with extraterrestrial beings, to the age-old battle between angels and demons, and even the darkest tales of the macabre, we've got it all. Each episode will bring you real stories, unfiltered and uncensored, as we explore the uncharted territories of your deepest fears and curiosities. So, buckle up, listeners, because this podcast will push the boundaries of reality as we know it. Get ready to question everything you thought you knew. Your journey into the unknown begins now. Welcome to My Paranormality. The X-Mas UFO Light Show. Hey there, folks. Gather round and let me share something that happened to me last Christmas night. A story that left me questioning the mysteries of the universe. It was a chilly December evening and the air was filled with the spirit of the season. Little did I know that the night would unfold in a way that defied all explanation. My friend and I, let's call him Jake, decided to take advantage of the clear skies and headed out for a Christmas night stroll. The stars were twinkling overhead as we chatted about holiday memories and plans for the upcoming year. Little did we know our encounter would make this Christmas unforgettable. As we walked, our attention was suddenly drawn to a peculiar sight in the night sky. A craft unlike anything I'd ever seen hovered silently above. It was a massive, metallic object with a sleek, triangular shape. The color was this mesmerizing blend of deep indigo and silver, almost like the night sky itself. It felt surreal, like something out of a sci-fi movie. Jake and I stood there, jaws dropped, as the craft hung motionless in the air. It emitted a soft hum, and for a moment, time seemed to stand still. The air was charged with an inexplicable energy, and we felt this profound connection to something beyond our understanding. And then, the unimaginable happened. The craft began to morph before our eyes, splitting into two distinct objects. One retained the triangular shape, while the other transformed into a spherical form, glowing with a warm golden light. It was as if we were witnessing a display of advanced technology that defied the laws of physics. The two objects hovered for what felt like an eternity, dancing in the night sky. The colors shifted and pulsed, 
creating an ethereal display that left us breathless. It was a symphony of light and motion, a cosmic ballet that defied all reason. We felt both awe and a hint of trepidation, realizing that we were witnessing something beyond our earthly comprehension. The distance between Jake and me seemed insignificant in that moment. We stood side by side, united in our shared disbelief. The air around us buzzed with an otherworldly energy, and it felt like the universe itself was reaching out to make contact. Eventually, the two objects merged back into a singular craft, resuming its triangular form. It ascended into the night sky with a graceful swiftness, disappearing from view. Jake and I exchanged a glance, still processing the extraordinary spectacle we had just witnessed. The lasting effects of that encounter lingered in the weeks that followed. We found ourselves questioning the boundaries of our understanding, contemplating the existence of life beyond our world. It was a shared experience that bonded Jake and me in a way that transcended the usual holiday festivities. We delved into research, reaching out to astronomers and experts, seeking any logical explanation. But the more we searched, the more elusive the answers became. The experience remained etched in our minds, an enigma that continued to spark late night conversations and moments of contemplation. As we approach another Christmas, the memory of that fateful night remains vivid in my thoughts. The stars overhead now carry a different weight, a reminder that the universe is vast and full of wonders that defy explanation. It was a Christmas unlike any other, one that opened our eyes to the mysteries that dance in the night sky. The Wendigo of Illinois This event occurred about five to seven years ago. I'm currently 20 years old. Here's my experience. My mother, a veterinarian, owns a clinic at the edge of our town. A big one with roughly 100,000 employees. When I say edge of town, I mean the cornfields in the area extend for 30 plus miles to the west and five plus miles to the north with intermittent forestry throughout that area. On this particular night, I accompanied my mother on an overnight trip to the clinic to check on a dog that had been undergoing extensive treatment. There was also a small pug, weighing 9 to 15 pounds, at the clinic overnight, so I offered to take the dog out for his business, saving my mom a chore. The back of the clinic faces a grass-covered pond or marsh, and although it dries up from time to time, the grass can be 3 to 4 feet tall. I can't recall if it was late winter, early spring, or early fall, but there was no snow, and the grass was tall, leading me to guess early fall. The front of the clinic faces a road and other commercial buildings, a home improvement store called Menards, and some offices. However, the back of the building is undeveloped land. While waiting for the small pug to finish his business, I had grabbed a leftover cookie as I was leaving from the clinic and started munching on it. Not a fan of sweets, I lost interest halfway through and decided to throw it into the grass for small critters. I launched the half-eaten cookie about 15 yards into a taller thicket of grass, towards the east of my position. From the west of where I stood, I heard and saw something roughly the size of a deer or person take off as soon as my cookie landed. 
Being from the country, I know deer and am well-versed in local wildlife. However, this thing moved differently. It was pale as paper, no fur, the spine visible against its skin. The look on its back had no arch, then flatness to an arch like a quadrupedal animal. But it was not a quadruped. Instead, it moved like an ape or person, hunched over, spine never straightening, running in an inhuman way on two legs. All I saw was the shiny, semi-reflective skin of its back, about two feet of it stopping at where the neck or shoulders would have started. It didn't have large shoulder blades like a deer or a dog, but instead this thing had a narrow chest, like a sighthound or something a deer would have. It also had ball and socket shoulders. At the moment the cookie landed, both the small dog and I froze in place. I'd never been frozen by fear, but then we watched it for two to five seconds as it ran from one end of the grass to where my cookie had disappeared in the thickets. I then heard it run away from me after getting or investigating the area where the cookie landed. Once I couldn't hear it anymore, I immediately decided to rush back inside the clinic. The dog, however, took a small tug of the leash to convince it to move, as it was fixated on this creature. If you know small dogs, they are obnoxious and overly brave, barking at everything they don't know. But this dog never made a peep. As soon as it realized I wanted to leave, it was in complete agreement. I am not one for the paranormal or religion, but this was something I could never explain. As stated earlier, I know deer, and this thing was no albino hairless deer. It was something else. The Wendigo is all I can think of, with its emaciated body and pale white skin, starting to think the natives had a reason for their stories. I can still remember that night in perfect detail, as it still raises the hair on my neck to this day. I swear I saw Santa Claus. Hey, so this might sound like BS or an imagined story, but this happened to me 17 or 18 years ago, and I still remember most of it pretty clearly. It was early Christmas morning, between 2am and 4am, the year was 1996 or 1997. I was 6 or 7 years old. I always had trouble sleeping the night before Christmas, both due to the anticipation of opening presents and the summer heat here in Australia. Unable to contain my excitement, I snuck out of bed to peek at the presents under the Christmas tree. My room opened into a hallway leading to the kitchen and dining area, also considered a lounge room. As I crept into the dining area, something in the kitchen doorway caught my attention. I observed what appeared to be a pair of legs wearing long red pants, bolt upright but with the rest of the figure apparently bent at the hips into the kitchen doorway. I couldn't see the body. At that age, still believing in Santa, I woke my older sister beckoning her to come with me to have a look. We both saw the figure not moving from its position. She suggested it was just Dad and that I should go back to bed. Unconvinced, I followed her to her room, hiding under her desk and begging her to come and look again. 
Finally returning to my room, I closed the door, leaving it slightly ajar. Pacing around, unsure whether to wake my parents or inspect the kitchen doorway, I noticed Santa Claus standing in my doorway as I opened it. He looked exactly as I'd imagined, like the typical Coca-Cola Santa. You know, the white trimmings, a black belt, a golden belt buckle, and a red nightcap. He had small gold-rimmed glasses, a white curly beard, blue eyes, and liver spots on his cheeks. I froze as he bent his head toward me, almost glaring, suggesting, What are you doing up? You shouldn't be awake. Go back to bed. Gasping, I jumped into bed, turned my back, closed my eyes, and fell asleep, despite my shock. I remember thinking, Santa doesn't like kids being awake because he can't drop off the presents. I didn't feel any danger, but sensed he was annoyed. He didn't seem joyful or loving, just annoyed. That same morning, approximately four hours after the incident, my parents didn't even seeing me at all, and my sister insisted it was dad in the doorway. Over the years, I've brought up the event, but no one in my family can explain certain facts such as Number one, Christmas in Australia is in summer, and my dad never wore long pants to bed because it's too hot. Number two, the figure remained frozen in place for minutes. Number three, no one in my family has ever or is known to sleepwalk. Number four, my sister and I saw the figure together, so I didn't imagine that part. Number five, after we both saw this figure, I never initially went back to bed, so I couldn't have been dreaming. Number six, I've never had a dream as vivid as seeing Santa before or after the incident. Number seven, Santa's appearance and size didn't match how either of my parents looked at the time. Number eight, there were no signs of a break-in. And lastly, I didn't hear footsteps throughout the house or coming towards my room. Years of contemplation led me to believe it might have been a spirit or apparition. I recently attempted to get regression through hypnosis, but it didn't work, leaving the event's mysteries intact. The biggest puzzle is how I fell asleep so soon after seeing him, like unnaturally quick. I've read similar stories online, with others immediately falling asleep or seeing a red light or orb. I know it sounds ridiculous, but I know what I saw, understanding the difference between a dream and conscious states. I remain open-minded, acknowledging that some things in our reality defy logical explanation. I'm interested if others have had experiences with Santa or similar unexplained events. Whispers in the Silent Night, a Christmas encounter. Come with me back to that frigid Christmas Eve in 1989, in the heart of the Bronx, New York City. I was just a seven-year-old back then, and the air was charged with the magic that only Christmas can bring. The scent of pine and the soft glow of holiday lights filled our home as I eagerly awaited the arrival of Santa Claus. The routine was a cherished one, tucking myself into bed early, dreaming of teenage mutant Ninja Turtles, Barbies, and G.I. Joes. The soundtrack to my childhood played out in the TV sitcoms of the time. Family Ties, Cheers, and a sprinkle of MTV for good measure. As night fell, I placed cookies and a glass of milk on the coffee table, a humble offering for the festive visitor we expected. 
The toys that fueled my imagination sat silently under the tree, their vibrant colors a testament to the joy they brought. Around midnight, I awoke to a soft symphony of mysterious sounds. The jingling of bells and the shuffle of unseen footsteps reached my ears. Excitement fluttered in my chest as I tiptoed into the living room, anticipating the joyous sight of Santa Claus. But what awaited me was a scene far from the cheerful spectacle I'd imagined. The room, usually alive with the warmth of the season, now felt eerily still. The Christmas tree, adorned with ornaments and memories, stood tall in the muted light. From behind the tree, a soft noise emerged, a whisper that sent a shiver down my spine. My excitement turned to trepidation as I approached cautiously. The air seemed to crackle with an unexplainable energy, and an otherworldly fragrance hung in the room like a secret. As I stood there, a shadowy figure, not quite human, materialized before me. Its presence was both captivating and unsettling. The glow of holiday lights played on its indistinct form, casting eerie shadows around the room. The toys beneath the tree seemed to watch with silent curiosity. In that moment, a strange communion occurred. The mysterious entity and I shared a gaze, a moment suspended in time. The room pulsated with an inexplicable energy, and a dialogue unfolded without words. I felt a mix of fear and curiosity, a strange connection with something beyond my understanding. Suddenly, the figure retreated, fading into the shadows. The room returned to its silent state, leaving me alone with my thoughts and unanswered questions. The scent of pine and the soft glow of lights lingered, marking the end of a peculiar encounter on that Christmas Eve. As the years rolled on, that night remained etched in my memory, a Christmas Eve where reality and imagination danced in the pale glow of holiday lights. The toys of my childhood, the sitcoms that brought laughter, all seemed like witnesses to a mysterious occurrence. Christmas, my friends, is a tapestry of wonder where the ordinary meets the extraordinary. In those silent moments, when the world holds its breath, we may catch a glimpse of something beyond our understanding, a touch of the magic that lingers in the air when the world is still. Unearthing the Haunting Past, A Christmas Encounter Growing up, I always felt like the house I lived in was haunted. From feelings of being watched, weird noises, and creepy vibes, especially in the basement and on the top floor, my house just had that feeling. It wasn't a terribly old house as it was built in the 1940s. My mom, her two sisters, and my grandparents moved in during the 1950s, with only one family residing there before so. I never considered it a classic haunted house. It just felt too new for restless spirits. As I grew up, nothing too outrageous happened, just eerie feelings. Now, at 31 years old, having left the house at 19 years old, I brought my girlfriend to the house for Christmas break last December. She shared her own creepy childhood experiences, like seeing and talking to entities no one else could. In other words, she was able to communicate with spirits of the deceased. Although terrified, she assured me those experiences hadn't happened in many years. Bringing her to the house, I didn't think much about her experiences at the time or the unsettling vibes I felt as a child. Then came the unexplainable part. One night, we were upstairs, 
trying to sleep in one of the big rooms on the top floor. As we were relaxing, we both heard loud, fast footsteps moving across the room, and I felt a small hand grab my foot. We both jolted awake, terrified. Both of us confirmed each other's experiences, nervously laughing it off as we tried to rationalize what happened. I considered that it might be my younger brother, still living at home, but couldn't fathom how he could pull off such a prank without being seen or heard entering the closed door to the room. Going downstairs, I found him oblivious to anything that had just happened. He revealed that the weirdness intensified after I had moved out, recounting a friend of his seeing a little girl in the bathroom mirror during a party at the house. Even a psychic who visited the property mentioned a presence of a little girl in this abode. Keeping it to myself, I went back upstairs, only to experience another frightening sound. Loud banging started to manifest on the wall near my head. After a tense night, I discussed everything with my mom the next day. To my surprise, she acknowledged the strangeness, citing events like seeing a small floating light, feeling tugging sensations to certain parts of her body, and a feeling of a small presence all around the house. The bombshell came when she recounted landscaping and finding a box with worn-out scraps of paper, a jar with a mysterious liquid inside while digging in the backyard during my childhood. Speculating that the previous occupants buried a baby, my mom and grandmother believed the haunting stemmed from this possible disturbing event. With my mind blown, I wondered what triggered the recent escalation. Perhaps having my in-tune girlfriend in the house played a role. Regardless, the experience was terrifying and has since left me nervous about returning home for the holidays in the future. Hunted. In a snowstorm. I never thought it would end like this. Most of the windows in my truck smashed, blood all over the interior, the frigid wind and snow blowing in on me as those two empty eyes stared in at me like a predator sizing up a helpless animal for the kill. It didn't start out like that, of course. When I started out for my normal morning delivery route, it wasn't snowing, but there was snow on the ground. There had been a quick snowstorm with some squalls that left half a foot of the white stuff on the roads just a few days earlier. The state took care of it pretty quickly, and travel was barely interrupted. Everyone went about their merry way, even me. The fact that I hated winter even more than driving a truck never entered my mind. Okay, that was a lie. As I drove down the road, I found myself looking at the small piles of snow along the roadside and cursing them for not being big enough to cancel my run. I had to drive my truck through some pretty empty places, the kind that made you long for anything to break up the monotony of two lanes of asphalt surrounded by endless trees. Driving that route quite often, it never got any easier to stay awake. My imagination of seeing odd things peeking out from behind the trees as I flew by, it had to be my mind playing tricks on me, trying to scare me into staying alert and not crashing the truck. If it had been a deer or bear or something like that, I would have just laughed it off, but this thing looked like it was out of some nightmare. That's how I knew it wasn't real. There was no way it could exist, so I put it out of my mind and kept on driving. Fortunately, with it being a two-day run, I was able to pick where I wanted to stay after I got my load. Hotels were nice, but if needed, I had the sleeper in my cab, which I called home, away from home. It wasn't bad as cramped spaces go. There was lots of shelf space above the bunk. I had a TV mounted on the wall, hooked up to a GameCube. 
There was a DVD player with an assortment of movies that I rotated out on a weekly basis. And there were some paperback books. Lord of the Rings, Frankenstein, This Present Darkness, along with all the indie author books I had on my phone. I didn't have to worry about being bored. There was always my laptop that held the novels I'd started writing and never finished. The only thing I really needed was food and a bathroom. I had snacks stashed around, sometimes in places, even I didn't find for months. But it couldn't compare to a nice hot meal. I had my favorite stops on the road, and they all had two things in common, good food and a quiet place to park and sleep. I didn't like having my truck squashed up against other trucks, wondering if I would be able to get my door open if they parked like an idiot. I liked parking near the outskirts of a parking lot. It was more private, and I didn't feel as hemmed in. Of course, there was a trade-off. More privacy meant walking further to get to the truck stop. Sometimes a lot further, but I used that to my advantage. Nothing like a nice long walk to get the blood flowing to all those muscles I didn't use when driving. Unfortunately, the place was a local mom-and-pop operation, which meant they didn't have the money to stay open 24 hours a day. Usually, I would pull my truck into my spot in the evening, go get supper at the lunch counter, then grab supplies for the night. I'd always go inside one last time to use the restroom just before they closed at midnight. That evening, I followed the same pattern. Pulled in, walked to the store, got some supper, and went back in around 11.30 for restroom and supplies before going back to my truck and falling asleep. Normally, I try to keep a good watch on upcoming weather, for whatever reason, I hadn't that day. I woke up around 8 a.m. and looked out to a sea of white. It had snowed, and it had snowed hard. It looked like someone wanted to make up for the snow quota this winter, and did it all in eight hours. I dressed in my cold weather gear and went out to see how bad it was and if my truck would be going anywhere today. When I jumped out of the cab, my legs disappeared. There was at least two feet of snow on the ground, and it was still putting it down. I trudged around the truck to make sure everything was okay, then got back in the cab, brushing off as much snow as I could first. I climbed into the bunk and turned on the news to the announcement that a major blizzard had hit the area. Wow, I thought. That's some great investigative reporting right there. They were calling for another foot before the snow stopped. Great, time to call the boss and get my ear chewed off. Why can't you get here? He growled. There's this stuff called snow, I said. It lands on the ground and piles up until it begins to impede travel. All right, smartass. When do you think you can be here? Well, seeing that I haven't even seen a snowplow go by and I'm sitting in a parking lot that probably won't get plowed out until much later than the highways, on top of the fact that my tires are nearly bald, even though I've been telling you for months they needed to be changed... I'll say I have no earthly clue when you'll see your precious cargo. He was silent for a long moment. Do you like your job? He said through barely restrained fury. Not particularly, I said, then added, when the weather's like this, you might want to update your resume. With that, the line went dead. Thank you for your support, I said to the dial tone. I settled back in, turned off the TV, and went back to sleep. When I first started out in trucking, a fellow driver gave me a tip that I never forgot. Anytime you have the chance to get some rest, take it, he said. That little tidbit helped me tremendously over the years. A little extra sleep means a lot less coffee. 
When I woke a few hours later and peeked outside, it was still snowing. I looked out my driver's side window, and even the truck's tire tracks were gone. I was feeling the call of nature, and decided to brave the elements to take the trek to the truck stop for some relief. I felt a little silly for putting on all my cold-weather gear, including gloves and goggles. That feeling didn't last long. It was snowing so hard, I couldn't even see the truck stop. I drew an invisible line with the side of my truck, aimed in that direction, and started walking. I never read Call of the Wild. I never saw Alive. Maybe if I had, I wouldn't have been so eager to throw myself out into this blizzard just to go pee. Trudging through the snow and the driving wind was growing old quickly. I felt like I should have reached the truck stop by now. I paused and looked around. Two realizations hit me at the same time. First, I couldn't see the truck stop. Second, I could no longer see the truck. As a lovely addition, my tracks were quickly disappearing. I tried to focus on my path toward the truck stop and began trudging again. Fifteen minutes later, I believe by sheer luck I saw the store appear off to the right. My track hadn't been dead on, but I was close enough to find the place. My winter gear was starting to fail me, especially with the wind finding all the little places it could inject frigid air. As I approached, I breathed a sigh of relief at getting in out of the cold, not to mention a massive cup of steaming hot coffee. I reached for the door, but it refused to open. Maybe it was frozen shut. I pulled harder, but nothing happened. I looked in through the glass and saw no lights on. It struck me how the walkway wasn't shoveled either. Oh no, I thought. The storm has them stuck at home. My hopes for a nice warm toilet and a steaming hot cup of coffee plummeted. I took one last forlorn look at the dark store and turned back toward my truck. My disappointment grew as I realized my tracks were gone. I was now snowblind and navigating without a compass or any means of direction. I tried to draw an invisible line with the outer wall of the store and hoped it would lead me back to the truck. I felt my cold, wet feet protest as I headed back toward the warmth of my truck. I hugged my jacket, attempting to keep the wind out. The snow was up past my knees now and seemed like trudging through mud. In retrospect, it would have been better for me to wait in the truck until I saw a snowplow in the parking lot. I had plenty of empty tea bottles for bathroom emergencies, but there was no use chiding myself now. I had to get back to the truck to keep this mistake from becoming a fatal one. If I got lost and couldn't find the truck, no one would come looking for me. They might not find my frozen body until spring. That was a cheery thought. As if my journey hadn't been hard enough, after a while, something caught my foot and sent me sprawling face first in the snow. I struggled to right myself and quickly wiped the snow from my face, silently thanking God that I had worn the goggles. I tried to get my bearings again, but curiosity nagged at me. What had I tripped on in the middle of a parking lot? I dug down and discovered the offending object. It was a parking space barrier. I chuckled for a moment until I realized to my horror that I should never have come near any of these in the middle of the lot. In fact, a straight trail from the store to the truck, the barrier I had tripped on would be a couple of dozen yards to the right. I scraped the rest of it off and saw it was running nearly parallel to my path. I had veered off course badly. The bright side was, I now had a point of reference and hopefully could correct my course. I looked around and found myself adrift in a sea of white. 
The store had disappeared and the truck was nowhere to be found. I took a deep breath and used the barrier to aim toward where the truck should be. I remembered one key fact in the process. These barriers lined the edge of the parking lot and just past them was a drop-off. In retrospect, it was lucky I had tripped on it instead of stepping over it and rolling down a hill that I might never make it back up again. I turned to aim myself where I thought my truck was, when out of the corner of my eye, I thought I saw a shadow of a figure walk by. Couldn't be sure because the blowing snow made visibility nearly impossible for more than a few yards away. It could have just been my imagination. I'd been out in the cold much longer than I planned, and it was time to get back to the truck. Reminded why I got out of the truck to begin with needing to pee so badly that I had no choice but to whip it out. Whipping it out was a bit of an understatement as I fought to unzip my zipper, frozen, my bladder screaming a full red alert that it was about to release the floodgates whether I was ready or not. Finally got my piece out and started the yellow stream when the wind shifted direction, sending it spraying all over my pants, quickly turning so that the stream was downwind. Once finished, I looked down at the front of my now wet pants and swore internally. Yet another reason to find the truck quickly. Wet pants turned to frozen pants turned to dangerous pants. I looked down at the barrier now covered in flecks of yellow snow and started on my new course. The snow had not let up one bit and my energy started to wane even though I had just been standing around for the last 10 minutes. Trudging through nearly waist-high snow was making me more tired than I had been in a long time. The wind rushing in my ears tore away my hearing. There wasn't anything out here to listen to. And yet I thought I heard something. I looked around but only saw white. Was this my mind starting to play tricks on me like it did when I was driving and thought I saw the creature peeking out at me from the trees that shouldn't exist? I turned back to my imagined destination, wondering if delusions were the first step in freezing to death. As if to answer, the wind hit me with a solid gust, knocking me down. If I didn't know better, I'd swear I felt a giant hand in the middle of my back before I fell looked up and saw nothing but snow swirling around making mini-tornadoes. Chuckled at the irony of them being called snow devils. My own personal snow devil was pushing me around. Got up and started for the truck again. Every step felt like my feet were encased in concrete. Then plodded on, trying to pull from whatever reserve energy I had to keep going. I couldn't die in the middle of a parking lot just yards away from my nice, warm truck. That would be the ultimate irony continued walking on, barely conscious, wanting only my 18-wheeled safe harbor from this merciless storm. My head was down. Wasn't even looking anymore. It didn't make any difference. I knew I would never find it. I knew it was like looking for a needle in a field of haystacks. There was no way I would ever get back until... Bang. Slammed into something and fell back. The snow was so deep I just lay there like a turtle, unable to get off my back looked up and saw what hit me was the back corner of the truck. Two feet to the right and I would have missed it. Just smiling took a lot of energy, so I focused everything into trying to getting up. Adrenaline took care of the rest, marched up to the driver's side door and reached into my pocket for the key to unlock it. Couldn't find the key, ripped off my glove and searched again. Still no key. Despair smothered my mind. If I had dropped it one of the times I fell in the snow, it was lost forever, and so was I. Leaning against the truck door, 
so close and yet so far. I could almost feel the heat through it. Smashed my fist into my leg in frustration, but felt more pain than I should have. Started patting the other pocket and felt a lump then tore off my other glove and reached into the pocket, pulling out the holiest of holies, the key. Tears streamed down my face and quickly froze as I stuck the key in the lock and opened the door. It took every ounce of energy I had left to climb up into the cab and collapse into the driver's seat. A wave of heat washed over me. For the longest time, I just sat there until I mustered the strength to start pulling off my cold-weather gear. One piece at a time, threw them into the passenger's seat until I sat in my underwear only. Leaned my seat back and basked in the warmth that flowed over me like an ocean wave. I imagined sitting on a beach with the sun shining down on me and the water beckoning. I fell asleep like this, woke up to a sore back and stretched as best I could in my seat, then looked out the windshield. As I softly chuckled at my realization, my eyes caught movement. There was some kind of animal walking around in the parking lot. At first, I thought it was a deer because of the wide horns on its head. But the longer I looked, the more I realized this creature was something else. It seemed bigger than any deer I'd ever seen. Its torso rode above the snow like it was a ship. Its face looked like it had wasted away to the bare skull, and it had massive teeth that went far beyond its jaw. It was rather haunting to look at. It was sniffing around in the snow. The more I thought about it, I began to realize that was probably the spot where I had taken a leak. I was mesmerized and horrified by this thing at the same time. I was nearly convinced my mind was playing a trick on me when it looked right at me and my blood turned to ice. Its look pierced my soul and made me wish I'd never come to this place. When it took its first step in my direction, I dove back into the sleeper and drew the curtain. I shook for reasons that had nothing to do with the temperature and was breathing in panicked gasps. What was that thing? Did I really see what I thought I saw? How could a creature like that exist? I tried to settle down and get my breathing back to normal. But my mind refused to let go of the image of that thing. It's just my imagination, I told myself. It's just a deer roaming around out there. I told myself that same thing over and over until my mind finally believed it. However, I didn't look through the curtain to confirm it. I didn't call it denial. I called it not pushing my luck. I was 15 minutes into a movie when I felt the first nudge. I didn't know what else to call it. It felt like something just nudged my truck. It was almost like when a strong wind gust pushed the cab, but I didn't hear any wind outside. The two sides of my mind engaged in a shouting match over whether I should check it out or ignore it. Fear threw its two cents in until the second nudge. Actually, it was like the fifth or sixth nudge until curiosity took over and made me go take a look. I peeked through the curtain and didn't see anything but snow through the windshield. I climbed out and looked through the passenger's window but saw nothing. I chided myself for my skittishness when I looked through the driver's side window and saw a set of horns. I rubbed my eyes and looked again, but they were gone. There were tracks in the snow that looked like deer tracks, only bigger. Or was that my imagination carrying me away again? I looked in the rearview mirror and saw the creature poking at my tires with its horns. I was fairly sure it couldn't puncture one with just horns, but I didn't want to chance it. I reached down, grabbed my club, 
and opened the door to scare it away, but again, it was gone. I was beginning to question my sanity. Was this thing real? Was it my mind playing tricks on me? Or was the creature toying with me, trying to draw me out of the truck? I closed the door and went back to my movie, but I couldn't get that creature out of my head. I was on pins and needles waiting, listening, and ticket-patting the next nudgy. Before the movie was over, I fell into a fitful sleep. I woke startled, sweat pouring from my forehead and looked around the sleeper cab looking for the creature that was mentally tearing me to pieces. Stuck my head out through the curtain to check on my fuel situation. The needle was well below the quarter mark, almost down to an eighth, as I killed the engine. I chided myself for not coming up with this plan sooner. I would have conserved fuel when the sun was out and the temperatures were higher. Now I was going to pay for my lack of foresight. I dug out every blanket I had stored in my closets and laid them over the bed, then tucked in for a long nap. When I woke, I was drowning in utter darkness. I panicked for a moment before I remembered where I was. I looked at my watch and it was four in the morning. I pulled the covers off me and was immediately assaulted by cold air. I grabbed a flashlight and found my way into the cab. I turned the key on and waited with bated breath that billowed out in clouds that filled the cab until the engine turned over. As it roared to life, I felt even colder. I looked to my left and froze. My driver's side window lay in pieces on the seat and floor. I slowly turned to look at the passenger's side window when fear grabbed me. There was a face looking in at me. But it wasn't a human face. It was the ungodly face of the deer creature that had gored me to death in my dream. A river ran down my leg, forming a yellow puddle on the floor, as I stared into the dark, hollow eyes of this thing sent straight from hell. It reared its head back, and then smashed into my passenger's window, splintering it. It reared back again, and this time shattered the window, reaching in for me with its fierce, long teeth. I jumped back and landed in the driver's seat, full of glass. I knew I was dead, there was nothing I could do. I sat there as it entered the cab coming for me. Its head was halfway inside when it suddenly stopped. It moved around a little bit, then roared in frustration. Its horns were too wide to fit in the window. It tried over and over to get in, but there was no way it could fit with the horns. As suddenly as it had appeared, it vanished. I looked around to see where it had gone, but the darkness of night covered it like a shroud. As I was looking, it silently reached in behind me, and would have had me if it hadn't breathed out, warning me of its approach. I dove into the center console as its deadly jaw snapped shut, right where my spine had been. It continued its assault on this window, gaining ferocity as it frustrated itself by not being able to get a hold of me. I stood in between the two windows, hoping I was safe from either direction. It was then I decided to go back into my bunk and close the curtain. I covered up and reached underneath the bunk to a secret compartment and pulled out my 40 caliber automatic handgun. I took the magazine out and made sure it was loaded with all 10 rounds, then put it back in, pulled back the slide, and flicked on the safety. It made me feel a little better, but not much. I didn't know how true my dream was, or if bullets would do anything to this monster. I no longer had any illusions that this was a deer. It was something much more dangerous and terrifying, and it was after me. 
I covered up with my blankets again, holding my gun close. The heater wasn't doing much good with two windows broken out. I would try to do something about them in the morning when it was light. There was no way I was doing anything in the dark with that thing lurking out there. I lay there for an hour, watching every second of the clock tick by. Eyes wide open, ears listening for any sound. But there was none. Just the wind howling in between the two broken windows making my curtains flutter. Eventually I recognized the futility of having a truck running, and the warm air just escaping, before it could even get to me. So I got out of my bunk, keeping my new best friend with me, and slowly made my way out to the cab, my head darting left and right to see if the creature was about to launch itself through either of the windows. I turned the key off, and before I could pull it out of the ignition, a set of horns smacked against the frame of the window, and the deadly teeth came in and snapped just inches short of my face. I whipped around and pulled the trigger, but nothing happened. It snapped at me again and I panicked until I realized the safety was on. I flicked it off and aimed, but the monster was gone. I didn't dare make a move toward the window for fear it would launch itself back in at me. I stood still as a statue and stared at the window it had come through, then slowly turned to the other side. I kept looking back and forth between the two, trying to keep my peripheral vision on both at the same time. I was shaking, not only from the cold but also from the sheer terror of not knowing where or when this thing was going to show itself. I decided my cold weather gear would be my best option, so I climbed back into the bunk and put on as many layers of clothes as I could find. When I popped my head back out, I was met with the most terrifying sight imaginable. The monster had climbed onto the hood of my truck and was now bashing its head against the windshield, trying to make its way inside. I knew the windshield was wide enough that it would be able to get its antlers inside and I would be done. I pulled the gun up, aimed at its head, and fired. The explosion was massive. I instantly lost my hearing except for the ringing in my ears. I staggered back, but the monster kept coming. Not only had my bullet done nothing to the monster, it weakened the windshield, making it easier to get inside. The monster shook its head in surprise when the bullet ricocheted off the bone and then continued its assault on the windshield. It hammered on the glass until it shattered into a million pieces. I was already aiming at its face and fired two shots before the glass even hit the floor. They both ricocheted off its skull, causing it to rear up just enough for me to fire two shots into its chest. It didn't collapse, screaming in agony like I wanted, but I could tell it didn't like it either. It jumped down off the hood and disappeared. I stared out into the inky blackness, trying in vain to pick up any glimpse of it. I whipped around from one side window to the other and back again, waiting for it to show its horrid face. After what seemed like forever, I saw horns rising through the passenger side window. I fired a shot into its face, and it disappeared. I threw myself back into the passenger seat when suddenly I saw its head rising in the driver's side window. I fired a shot making it disappear again. I jumped up and threw myself to the other seat, knowing it would be on the passenger's side soon. Sure enough, ten seconds later, it appeared and I fired another shot. It was toying with me. It disappeared and I threw myself over into the passenger seat, waiting, aiming at the empty driver's window. But instead, I felt teeth clamp down on my neck. It had fooled me. 
I shoved my gun up under its skull and fired a shot. If I hadn't been deaf from the first shot, this one right next to my ear would have done it. And yet somehow I heard it squeal in pain as it released me. I knew I had been inches from death. I reached up and touched the wound on my neck and came away with a handful of blood. I went back into my bunk, tore away a piece of sheet, and pressed it to my wound. Then I tore some more of the sheet and tied it around my neck to hold the bandage in place. I went back out to the cab only to see it crouching on the hood waiting for me. I never thought it would end like this. My truck's windows smashed blood all over the interior. The frigid wind and snow blowing in as those two empty eyes stared in at me like a predator, sizing up a helpless animal for the kill. It crawled in through the remains of the windshield. I knew I was dead. In desperation, I shoved the gun into one of its eye holes and squeezed the trigger. The sound it made was something I'd never heard before and never wanted to hear again. The scream was both a low guttural sound and a high-pitched shriek. It sounded like someone had unleashed a demon from the pits of hell. My mind screamed at me, Get out of there! I fumbled with the driver's door and ended up falling out when it opened. On a clear day, with no snow, I would have gotten a concussion or broken bone falling on the bare asphalt. With three feet of snow on the ground, I landed on a soft, cold pillow. It was the only time in the last 24 hours that the snow had helped me. I immediately jumped up and looked around for any place to hide, but there was nowhere. Everything was covered in snow. I glanced back at the trailer and realized the snow was so high that it reached the bottom of the trailer. I couldn't see underneath at all. I quickly dove under it, then turned around and tried to pile snow into the opening to hide where I had gone. I shone my light around at the beautiful sight of bare asphalt. I lay there on my belly, looking all around, trying to see in every direction at once to see where the monster would attack from. My breath blew out in billows of desperate smoke as I came up empty. There was nothing. The monster wasn't there. I didn't dare hope to imagine that my shot had killed it. If anything, it made this creature even angrier. It was probably destroying the inside of my truck at that very moment. What I didn't trust was that the monster wouldn't find me underneath the trailer. I looked around for anywhere I could use as a better hiding place. My eyes fell on the wheels of the truck. It looked like there was just enough room between the tires and the differential. It would be a tight squeeze, but it was better than that thing finding me. I turned around and slid my feet in first. The further I slid, the tighter it got. Ironically, the grease and oil from the differential helped me slide through a little easier. When I almost had my shoulders through, it suddenly felt too tight. I was stuck. I couldn't move forward or backward. Panic flooded my mind and I struggled frantically like I couldn't breathe. After the longest minute of my life, I finally managed to maneuver my shoulders through and into my hiding spot. The hood of my coat did double duty of keeping me warm and completing my hiding place. I lowered it to the level of the asphalt and would raise it just an inch when I wanted to look out. The first half hour was the worst. The ringing in my ears had begun to subside, but I still didn't hear anything outside of my own breathing. The cold slowly leaked through my clothes. Still no sign of the monster. Another hour passed. My muscles started to cramp up. Still no sign of the monster. Another hour I felt like my bladder would burst. Still no monster. During the long boredom in between, I pulled the magazine out of the gun and counted how many bullets I had left. 
No matter how many times I counted, it always came out to the same number. One. I knew one bullet wouldn't save me from the monster. There was only one thing I could do with one bullet. End my suffering if it found me. I took it out of the magazine and stared at it. I used my coat to shine it up, then stared at my reflection in the gleaming metal. The edges of the snow around the trailer began to glow. I knew the sun was coming up. Darkness was no longer my friend. I was about to give up and crawl out of my hiding place when I heard it, a soft sniffing sound. I lifted my hood an inch, just enough to peek out, and there it was. Its head had broken through the wall of snow close to where I dove under the trailer. There were a few drops of blood from my neck wound, and it was sniffing them. Those drops would lead it right to me. Sure enough, it took a turn toward the front of the trailer and looked in my direction. I lay there still as a stone as it inched its way toward me. It was having trouble squeezing its massive body under the trailer, and I could hear it growling with frustration. It came closer, crawling right toward me. There was no doubt it knew I was there. I closed my eyes and stuck the barrel of the gun under my chin. I felt its hot breath and smelled the stench of death as I squeezed the trigger. Suddenly it shrieked, and I could feel the truck bucking above me. I opened my eyes to the most amazing sight. Its horns had gotten caught in the chains hanging down underneath the trailer, and it was tangled. It screamed and bucked and fought to be free from its metal captors. It yanked backward so hard I felt the truck move sideways an inch. The differential was pressing on me now, and I had to shimmy over to avoid being crushed. I watched as the chains broke away one by one, and then it was free. I took the opportunity to crawl out from under the truck. It was useless as a hiding place now. It had already tracked me here. I was almost out when I heard another sound, and saw a shadow pass by the other side of the truck. It was coming back, but it was trying from the other side. I crawled as quickly as I could. This was my chance. If it searched from the other side, it might not know I had left. I had no idea where I would go, but it was better to be out of a useless hiding place. Besides, I desperately needed to stretch and pee. As I stood next to the truck, I saw a large patch of red in the snow. I guess shooting it wasn't as useless as I thought. I took care of business first, peeing before I ruined another pair of pants. I finished and thought about where to hide. I looked up at the ruined cab of my truck when the nightmare crept around the corner. I stood there helpless. It had caught me flat-footed. I had nowhere to go. It stared at me as it limped around the corner. Its empty eyes seemed to exude rage. I pulled up the gun and aimed when it disappeared in a moving mountain of snow. The snowplow had finally arrived. I watched as the plow pushed its mound of snow past my truck and over the edge of the parking lot. The driver backed up and stopped beside me. You've been here all night, the driver said, since before the storm. I replied, what happened to your truck? He said, looking up at my shattered windows. I followed his eyes and thought for a moment. Someone tried to rob me? I lied, knowing the truth was unbelievable. I see you took care of it, he said, looking at the gun in my hand. I looked down at the gun and stuck it in my waistband. It's been a hell of a night, I said. Well, don't worry. The roads are getting cleared and I'll get you plowed out of here, he said. Thanks. I said. He then nodded and backed up to continue plowing. 
I looked at where he had just plowed beside my truck and saw a long smear of red. I followed it to the edge of the parking lot and looked over the side with my hand on my gun. The drop-off was a good ten feet or more, and the snow had already started to pile up. I followed the path of red down the hill with my eyes and saw antlers poking out of the snow. I stared at them, looking for any movement. For ten minutes I watched and they didn't move. I was interrupted when the plow pushed another pile of snow over the side, covering the antlers. I watched for another five minutes just to be sure. The plow guy pulled up beside me. You okay? He said. I pulled my eyes away from the snow pile. Yeah, I'm good. You sure? He said, pointing at my neck. Yeah, I just got nicked by some glass. I said, remembering the teeth of the monster clamping down on my neck. Well, I think someone just pulled into the store, he said. Maybe you should get something for that. I will. Thanks, I said, knowing I would do no such thing. I wanted to avoid as many questions as possible. I climbed into the cab, brushed the glass off my seat, and drove over to the fuel pumps. After filling up, I started the long trip home. I kept my cold weather gear and mask on, having no windows or windshield made for a frigid trip. The heater was on max and aimed at my feet, keeping the bottom half of me warm. I didn't call for a tow truck because I wanted to get away from there. I never went back to that truck stop again. I didn't want to take the chance of that thing being alive. I never told anyone else about the harrowing encounter. I wish I could erase it from my mind. As I drove towards my home terminal through the endless stretch of trees, I saw one of the creatures peeking out at me that I used to think was my imagination. Thank you for joining us on this spine-tingling journey through the unknown. We hope you've been thoroughly entertained by the chilling tales and unbelievable experiences shared. Our exploration of the supernatural is far from over. We have more experiences, mysteries, and unearthly encounters to uncover in the future. So, be sure to return for more spine-tingling episodes. And for those who want to carry a piece of our paranormal world with them, Check out our exclusive merchandise at www.etsy.com forward slash shop forward slash Arise Creation 73. That's the number seven and the number three. Also, check out more Arise Creations Productions material on other various platforms, including Spotify, Anchor, Apple Podcast, BitChute, plus our RSS feed. We are also on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, aka X. You can find all the necessary links in the description. Please don't forget to subscribe, like, and share. There are numerous ways to support which fuels our quest for the unexplained. You can purchase merchandise as stated before, or donate by clicking on the Buy Me a Coffee link in the description. Anything helps. Until next time, my paranormal fiends, stay curious and keep your flashlight ready. Once again, this is My Paranormality. We'll be waiting for you on the other side. <laughs>